Friends in Christ, in this Lenten season, we have heard our Lord's call to struggle against sin, death, and the devil, all that keeps us from loving God and each other. This is the struggle to which we were committed at baptism. Within the community of the church, God never wearies of forgiving sin and giving the peace of reconciliation. On this day, let us confess our sin against our God and neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. I invite you to be seated and then um, come forward to the altar rail um, to receive the absolution today individually. Pastor Jonathan and I will be here to proclaim the forgiveness to you, lay hands upon your head. Um, and uh, a little bit in the spirit of Jesus washing the disciples' feet as well on this day. So please come forward for the uh, absolution this morning.
Oh God, we thank you for the power of your forgiveness that we now receive and have received in Jesus' name. Amen. When, Jesus had, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God also will glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Loving God, on this holy night, in the sharing of a meal, your Son established a new covenant for all people and gave us a new command to love one another as he loves us. Renew us in this covenant and give us passion to follow your command to love as Jesus did. We pray this through Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated as we continue with the reading. A reading from 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of the Lord. I invite you to rise for our gospel this day. The Holy Gospel is according to Luke, the 22nd chapter. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table." 
For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they begin to ask one another which one of them it could be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I come among you as one who serves. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise you, Lord. I invite you to be seated. As I was thinking about our text for today, and, and I purposely, you might think they seem kind of redundant, this text from Corinthians and then this text from Luke. It's just the words of institution kind of being said, maybe just slightly different, but pretty much the same. The same thing we're going to hear again from Pastor Bill as he presides over this meal that we celebrate this day, this, this supper that we share in. But I wanted to do that specifically to repeat those words again and again so we can grasp just the importance of those words, the importance of these promises, the importance that Christ comes to us tangibly in this meal. But it struck me as I was thinking about Holy Communion and, and what it means for us. It is, it is absolutely central to our faith. We practice it week after week after week. We participate in it. We come forward. We take in Christ truly present for us. He's really there. But I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about a couple of the Luther quotes that I know. I actually was looking up one, and I found the other, and then found the one that I was looking for. Luther said a couple of different things. He said, God is as present in your cabbage soup as in the sacrament. And maybe a, one that's a little more timely and one I kind of tripped over. I, hadn't, I didn't remember hearing this one before. God is essentially present in all places, even in the tiniest tree leaf. Again, perhaps a little timely for us in this season of spring. But I, as I was thinking about that and the, and the centrality of the sacrament I thought to myself, you know, Jesus is already, the, the statements that Luther makes about Jesus are already true on Christmas Eve. I'm a broken record about this, but the, the unique thing about our faith as I look and I've, as, as I've studied a little bit other, other faiths and faith practices, the unique thing about Christianity is that God comes to us in the flesh. And we could say that God is present anywhere just from the, the, uh, what he did in, 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 in Christmas Eve, coming to us and becoming like us and, and dying for us and rising again. But Jesus has this meal together with his disciples gathered around this Passover feast, a sign of deliverance already from God through particular ways and, and means through Moses and, and, and a meal is celebrated to remember um, um, that event. But Jesus 
uh, gives these promises of God and, and, and gives us this gift of this meal, it's, it's a lavish gift. It's central to us, but it's, it's almost unnecessary. He's already there. God is already in the flesh, living and breathing and suffering and dying and rising again for us. But Jesus gives us this place to focus that promise, to receive that gift from him in a very tangible way. And so as we gather this day to, to share again and to remember again who Christ is for us, I, I just marvel at the, at the lavishness of the outpouring of grace that Jesus gives us in this, in this meal. Unnecessary and lavish grace upon grace. But also it's the location of this meal that I think is, is profound for us as we think about, about how we respond to Jesus and what we receive from him. You'll notice that both in John, and we just read the last part of John 13, but of course Jesus shares the meal with his disciples there as well. And then unique to John, he, we get the story of Jesus wrapping a towel around himself and washing the disciples' feet, that, that lowest act of the kind of the lowest slave in the household to show the power of that service. And then he calls them to love one another as I have loved you, to serve with love as I have served you with love. But you know, Christian service in a sense is, is kind of unique as well because it is never a means to an end. It is always, always a response to a promise. I can tell you from, well, let me back up. If you'll notice, Jesus shares the promise with his disciples. He shares the meal with his disciples. He serves them first, and then they are invited and called and even commanded in the, in the best sense to respond to that promise, to respond to that service that God has given us. So many times and in so many aspects of our lives, and even with all due respect in other faith traditions, it's a climbing of a ladder. It's a trying to attain or get closer to God through our service or, or other particular acts. In our faith, it is always, always a response to the promises that are given. I can tell you from experience, and it's probably your experience too, especially as I look out at many of you who serve uh, faithfully in so many ways. I do feel closer to God when I serve God and God's people. I certainly do. But the truth is, what I, what I know is that God was already there. I don't climb up through that service or, or through those particular acts to, to sort of find God or attain God's favor. God looks at on us in this meal and says, I love you and I give myself to you. I am broken so that you may be whole. And so everything that we do is a response to that promise. It is always, always grace first and then our response. I don't know about you, but that, that colors service for me, that colors how I do it, that colors what I do and that especially colors how I see Christ in those whom I serve and those whom I serve alongside. 
Because if Christ is present in the sacrament and as Luther says, in the tiniest leaf and in our cabbage soup, in our hearty meal, then Christ is certainly, certainly present in those whom I serve and serve alongside. And maybe sometimes it's hardest to see, but Christ is also present in me. That lavish gift, that invitation to respond in a particular way, and the presence that Christ gives to us. Our song today that we'll hear during the offertory, as we've been hearing from these musicals on Wednesday uh, mornings and Wednesday evenings, is uh, from the musical Carousel. Carousel, right? Yeah, okay. And it's called, I thought I had it written down here. It's called You'll Never Walk Alone. Just by a show of hands, how many people here have ever felt alone? Yeah, we did this last night with our middle schoolers and every hand went up as well. But the words of this song are true. And in this sacrament, we are reminded here as well that as Christ is present in this meal, he is also present in us. It is impossible, it is not impossible for us to feel alone. But it is impossible for us to be alone. We know through the sacrament as well that Christ is truly present with us. And oftentimes, we feel that presence, or we know that that presence is, is even greater when we do feel alone. But that presence then centers our whole lives around the fact that we are not, that Christ is always present with us, that we carry him around tangibly in the sacrament with us. And so as we've been walking through these, these uh, uh, Wednesday nights together through this Lenten season, we've had these images all around us of being in the shadow of the cross. We called it hope for the hopeless. And indeed, we find in this meal as, as God's gifts are poured out lavishly that in all of our hopes and in our dreams as we're represented by this hope chest, whether they are fulfilled or whether they are dashed, whether they take the direction we intend or something else, Christ is there. We know that in our world, as we serve and as we care, that Christ is already there. We're not bringing him. We're not trying to get to him. We're just meeting him there and responding to his gifts. We know that as we grow and as we mature and as we watch our kids do the same, whether they go the direction we wish or some other way, we know Christ is in them. Sometimes it may be very hard to see, but we look all the more deeply for Christ's presence. We know in this meal that Christ is at the heart of all we do and that our hearts can be poured out in response to the gifts that he gives. Christ in this meal gives his heart to us and we can pour out our hearts back to him and to others in the service that we do. And finally, we know that in our darkest moments, in the tragedies of this world and in our own lives, Christ is most certainly present because he has experienced the whole gamut of suffering. And yet, at the same time, he is also triumphant, standing over death, standing over sin and putting them away, taking away their sting, making sure that they have a final breath 
and are, and are put to death themselves. These are all of the gifts that we have in Christ and all that we receive this night. And so on this Monday Thursday, on this command Thursday, we are given a command by someone who goes there first, who goes there perfectly for us and calls us and invites us to respond, full of his grace, centered in his love, and sent with joy. Amen.
and prepare us to walk in your path of service. Lord, in your mercy. Loving God, bless the earth and all who depend on its abundance. Bless farmers, cooks, and all those who serve you through stewardship of your creation. Lord, in your mercy. Loving God, bless our neighbors, near and far, recovering from natural or human-caused disasters. We certainly do remember the community of Notre Dame. We remember your church. And pray for all those who grieve this fire, and, and we pray for restoration. Lord, in your mercy. Loving God, bless and comfort all those who seek healing in body and in spirit this day. And we bring those to you now aloud or in the quiet of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Loving God, bless this congregation and hear our prayers. Multiply our love for you, for one another, and for our neighbors. Bless and comfort all those who grieve. And as a mourning parent, God, embrace your grieving children in your unconditional love and understanding. Lord, in your mercy. As we come now to your table and the promise that we are not alone, that you make yourself known in the breaking of this bread, we give thanks for giving us this gift, this lavish gift of your love and your mercy. And through Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Please share that peace with those around you.
in that promise, I invite you to stand and let us pray. Compassionate God, we offer these gifts as signs of our time and labor. Receive the offering of our lives and feed us with your grace, that in the midst of death, all creation might feast in your unending life. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer to you our, our praise and thanksgiving. And we give you thanks that on this day and on this night you gave us your meal and a promise of your steadfast love forever. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, indeed, reveal yourself to us in the breaking of this bread, as you revealed yourself to your disciples. The gifts of God are ready for the people of God.
Please stand. May this, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, truly strengthen you and keep you in God's grace and peace. Amen. Before we continue with the prayer after communion, a couple of notes. I do encourage you today, you've got a great opportunity to stay afterwards, and you get a special dispensation to sing some Easter music. As Justin has song of the church and, and goes through the music for Easter Sunday, so we encourage you to stay and sing and, and, and appreciate um, that great ministry. And then also I want to just do a short uh, temporary uh, farewell and Godspeed to Priscilla. Where are you, Priscilla? Is she already? Oh, there she is. Headed back east for the summer, and um, we miss you all the time when you're gone. Thank you for your great service, and so blessings to you and your summer. All right, with that, let us pray. We do give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift, that we may follow our Lord Jesus Christ to his trial, the cross, and empty tomb. Bless us on our journey. Amen. Amen.
Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the crock crow, crock, cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly.
Jesus is in the hands of his captors. Let us go in awe and wonder of his love for us and for the world. Amen.